and welcome to Starkville. Baseball Hall of Famer Jason Stark. And then the robot said, strike. That's why you're going in the Hall of Fame. It's an inside the park home run. Doug Glanville. Mike tried his coffee at Starbucks with a double latte skinny Jason Stark <laughs> is against humanity. Take away the human elements of Starkville. Doug, are you ready to make some podcast magic? I am ready. Bring on the magic wand. Let's do it. <laughs> Greetings and welcome to Starkville. I'm Jason Stark. Baseball for the Athletic. As always, I'm joined by my good friend, writer, broadcaster, professor, distinguished former major leaguer, Doug Glanville. And ladies and gentlemen, Doug Glanville is a downcast man today because he learned once again last week that it's not he who is the people's choice to be the next commissioner of baseball. It is me, Doug would you like me to give you the results of the latest, greatest Twitter poll on that subject? You know, I didn't even know it ended, actually. I thought I was going to campaign <laughs> for a couple more months. <laughs> oh, really? Is that what you thought, huh? I'd keep it going. Right, let, let, no, 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 you're not. Uh, this Twitter poll is over. This this Twitter poll was actually posted by the Athletics yes. MLB account. And here's what it asked, Doug. Who should be the next commissioner? There were three options. Commissioner Stark, Commissioner Glanville, or you and me <laughs> as co-commish. Let's run through the tabulations. Look, it was me, uh-huh. 45.7%. It was you, 29.9%. Mm-hmm. It was you and me as co-commissioners, 24.5%. So if I'm doing this math right, that means more than 70% of the American people want me to be the next commissioner, even if I might have to also give you a desk in my office. Doug, it's a landslide. Well, I, actually, those numbers tell me that I might have won, actually, um, because my platform <laughs> really? was that we both would be commissioner. So all my votes then go to the other category where we're both commissioner. And then uh, that position wins by uh, 55 to 45. So um, I don't, awesome. Thank you. I, I, I do not believe that was an accurate depiction of your platform. <laughs> if I recall right from your Twitter comments on this, your idea was let me become commissioner with all this trouble brewing, try to worm my way through that, and then you would become co-commissioner <laughs> after the game had a new labor deal, and was on a path to a better tomorrow. Would that be accurate? Yeah, that, that seems that, accurate. That sounds good, but I would do it together. I would do it together. <laughs> no, that's not what you said at all. <laughs> Let me tell you something. That platform did not play with the American people. It also did not play with me. So I believe I am going to be the next commissioner of baseball as decided by the American people. Yes, and how, how many votes did we get? I was just curious. What was the vote total? Did we, did uh, we know it that? wasn't exactly 300 million. <laughs> <laughs> it was slightly short of that. You're challenging my definition of American people and, and here? No, no hanging chads either? No hanging chads? You can't do that on Twitter. 
electronically? Oh, just ex- <laughs> ex- accept the will of the people. Would you do that for me? Yeah, so I'll, I'll, I'll suffer during this trying time. I will. I, I would vote for you if it, if I wasn't involved. So I would support your <laughs> candidacy. And, and just like in Hamilton, uh, you remember? I think it was Jefferson said. Uh, oh yeah, Aaron Burr says, "Oh well, I'm the runner-up, so therefore I'm the vice president." And he says, "Oh no, we can change that. You know, you want to know why? Because I'm the president." <laughs> okay, so that you, you just want you just want to change the rules as you go along to yeah, yeah. fit you. I'll be vice uh, vice something. I don't know what. Listen, pal, I'm just telling the story of tonight. Okay. Uh, okay, let's get serious, Doug, because baseball has issues, testing issues. Issues with players opting out. Issues with some well-known players they could st- saying they could still opt out. So really looking forward to speaking with our guest today, Erin Dolan, because she happens to be married to one of those players. Uh, that would be Nationals closer and noted friend of this pod, Sean Doolittle. And, uh, you know, I think it's really important to humanize players, humanize families, and humanize these issues. So, Aaron, it's great to welcome you to Starkville. You're about to humanize. <laughs> it's a big ask. <laughs> Thank you right? so much for having me. <laughs> Anything I can do to really humble Sean, I am on board. <laughs> okay, we're let gonna, me know we're when make and sure where. That happens. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, oh, you and Sean God. are the first husband-wife duo ever to visit us. Yes, in Starkville. really. I, really? I, I can only imagine the goosebumps you must be feeling when you're digesting that news. <laughs> We're making history right now. Yes. You, you it's going to go in history books. We have to create we have to create like a botanical gardens in your honor as a Sabbath special <laughs> wedding space. Wow. <laughs> Who's creating that? I'm out. <laughs> All right, let's let, 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 let's let's talk some stuff here. Uh, Sean created a stir in the sport over the weekend mm. just by revealing how slow these test results have been for players and teams. Uh, it turned out the, the Nationals weren't alone. The Astros and Cardinals had to cancel workouts on Monday because they hadn't received their test results. Uh, the A's have had so many issues, they didn't have a single full squad workout until Monday night. So, Aaron, uh, let me start by asking you about how Major League Baseball explained this as essentially unforeseen holiday-related delays. Uh, how did that explanation go over in your family? Did the 4th of July sneak up on you? Is that, is that new? Is that a new holiday? Is that new apparently, to you? Did, uh, apparently it did. Is that, not, is that not an annual holiday that's not a movable feast? Really? <laughs> Doug, you want to do some research on that? I kind yeah, of recall someone look this into the holiday. July. Is that always on the same day every year? Can someone I look into like that? I feel like it's happened before for some reason. <laughs> yeah. All right, what's your and point, Aaron? My point, <laughs> my point would be, I, I don't see how that could have snuck up on you. Either way, you would have wanted to make sure that the very first rollout of the very first week of testing, the very first weekend of testing, would have gone as smoothly as possible. And if you had known this might be a holiday weekend, this might be, you know, maybe they're closed on Sunday. We still don't know entirely what the story is. But if, if you had any sense that there would be any hiccups, that somebody, even if you thought somebody might be taking a long lunch, you'd want this to be as smooth as possible. And you say, let's work out any possible kinks, any unforeseen kinks now so that this doesn't disrupt the testing strategy because everything hinges on the testing strategy rolling perfectly. 
And if we don't have that, it doesn't matter how many people are wearing masks and how many people are washing their hands and how many clubhouse attendants are sanitizing, like their lives depend on it and everything like that. It's not going to matter because individual efforts don't do anything to overcome like a systemic problem, a structural problem uh, or deficit. So, you know, I think, I think it's, it's being worked out and I'm glad that they addressed it in the memo yesterday. Um, but I, I don't know how this, this is the first weekend. This isn't the time for really like trial and error in, in my mind. Um, but I, it looks like they're, they're going to be open seven days a week now. Um, so That's the hope. we'll have to check back on Bastille day. I don't know. When is that? My calendar handy. Yeah. Let me try to speak for Major League Baseball just to try to represent what they're saying about this. Uh, one is I think they feel mm-hmm. like this was a time when they were working through some of the kinks in the system. It yeah. was also a, an unusual time because – um, this was a different type of testing than we're now going to have going forward because thousands of people were were being tested. It was intake testing. It wasn't. Uh, it's not going to be these regular testing that we're going to see going forward. And so, what what is the difference? There? Add in I'm the sorry hop- to cut. I'm sorry to cut in. What is the difference there? <laughs> is it this? Are you still spitting in a vial? Is that is it the same test kit? Is it is it the same? I'm, I'm seriously asking. Is it the same like population of people that are being tested? Uh, it's not. A, it's not going to be the exact same population because everybody in tier one and tier two was subject okay. to intake testing, right? Okay. So it was. It was many thousands of people compared to what's about to happen. Um, you know, only tier one will get tested every two days. Okay. Okay. So, so I, I guess th- that makes sense. That's part of their explanation. Um, the other part is that the holiday did create some some delivery issues that didn't necessarily reflect on testing. But huh. you made a huge point. Um, frequent testing and quick turnaround of results is the most important part of this system. And I know Sean said he's been tested, what, three times now? What's been your experience um, with yeah. how quickly they've been able to turn around actually four times he's been tested four times, four times. um yeah wow. so the first time okay. we were tested we were we both got tested in florida that was like an opt-in test it was the same test kit in the same lab and we got tested at his spring training facility but um his intake right. then was wednesday right mm-hmm. and he i think got the results i think it was like friday at like 2 a.m or something um so he woke up he set his alarm for friday because that was supposed to be the first day of workouts he set his alarm as if he were going to have a workout even though when he went to bed he didn't know whether he would actually mm-hmm. have a workout because he didn't know if the results were going to come back but he woke up had the results was able to go into workout it was great it was perfect um okay. and then was tested again friday uh i think he got the results yesterday let's say yesterday afternoon yesterday around noon um so that was about 72 hours for that one Yes. So, so that, that was not, that's where it's confusing. I think that wasn't an intake one. That was part of the rolling. Uh, okay. And that's, so yeah. that, those are the tests that are supposed to be back ideally in 24 hours. And yes. it took 72 hours. 
Cool. Yes. So that that was a Friday test, and it was supposed to be under the manual. It was supposed to be, uh, it said, approximately 24 hours. But that's that's pretty vague, and that's pretty loose. Um, understandably, you can't guarantee everything. Um, and uh, I think a lot of teams may have experienced that, too. I think the A's had that, too. But that was their, for some players, that was their intake, which made it very difficult because... Very. Yeah, they, they yeah. their position player yeah. just couldn't work out, you know. You got AJ Puck playing third base, like it's not going to work. You got to have your <laughs> position players there, you know. Yeah, yeah. Let's let's make this clear. I know Doug uh, Doug wants to jump in here, but if this were to happen during the season, yeah, say a team hasn't gotten its results in three days, four days, and says we don't feel it's safe to play, like they can't. You have to cancel games, and that's why this can't happen. Correct? Well, do you have to under the manual? I mean, like, I know you should it, morally. If a team says we don't feel safe to play. Yes. Is there a mechanism, though, for a team to say that? Uh, yeah, I asked that question last. Right. I asked that question last week. What happens if the players feel like it's not safe to play, but no one else has signed off on it? That, yeah, that, that was a question. Nobody a stoppage? <laughs> That's a really interesting question. Nobody could answer it. They they told me that was a what if question. They were not prepared to answer yet. Well, look but at the wow. waves they made. They made yesterday when the I think the A's didn't have. Well, not the A's. The um, Angels had an optional practice. Uh, the Nationals canceled their practice. Um, I think the Astros canceled. The Cardinals canceled. Um, yes. that, that made waves because that's, that's unusual. You've got like 20 days. Some teams, I think it's like the third until the 23rd, uh, for the nationals. Cause they, they have the first game on the 23rd. That's a really short spring training. <laughs> so you need every day. So to cancel yeah. a day of that is, is proportionately huge. Yeah. And it seems like, you know, you're, there's an experimental component here of, okay, we're going to take this information and then try to apply it later. And it seems like you have to have those answers. Like what happens if five players are like, I'm not comfortable today or, or for, for various reasons. So I guess it brings me to this question, Aaron, about what, what, what into your decision to, to play, you know, as a family, like to opt in and, and how much is that shaken by these kinds of moments of saying, well, I don't know, maybe we should rethink this. Yeah. Well, I, I should definitely start by saying he wants to play. Like, this is what he does. This, this is what he loves to do. And, uh, you know, it's what he has, has been looking forward to doing. He wouldn't be throwing baseballs into the air because nobody's catching him for three months. Like, he wouldn't just be, like, you know, working out, lifting our dogs for weights for three right. months if he didn't want to <laughs> yeah. play. Right. Like, he's he's cobbling together workouts He's, he's working his ass. I'm sorry. He's working every single day really hard to get back to work. And at a certain point, he wouldn't, he wouldn't be saying any of this if he didn't want to do this. If he didn't want to do this, he would have opted out already and he wouldn't have to complain, you know, but he, he wants to stay in it and make sure that everybody is safe, including the staff that work there too, because they're the ones you know, you see all these stories about workouts being staggered and, you know, these five players are never going to see these five players. Okay. But are the staffs going to see all 25 of them? Right. Because that they're the ones seeing the most people for the longest amount of time. And like, they're probably at greater risk. So he wants to make sure that everybody is safe. And a big part of that is being present to see it. 
in practice. Um, you know, in addition to wanting to play really bad, he, he wants to make sure that it's done well. And he wants to make, he wants to be part of this, you know, it sounds like some really fun baseball too. Like a 60 game season sounds like gladiator style. It sounds amazing outside of <laughs> out of context of a pandemic. It sounds amazing. Like that sounds like the most interesting game of baseball I've ever seen, but you know, it's important to him to be there and make sure that, you know, he can advocate for staff. Not that he's the only one to do that and they need him. He's, I'm not trying to overstate his importance or value, but you know, he wants to be there. Yeah, and but Aaron, you, you know, and you've been very forthcoming uh, with you know your health concerns, just sort of personally, and and so how does that his desire, uh, that sort of motivation, that's not only personal as as an athlete, but sort of his social consciousness around it, how does that sort of connect to you know your real physical concerns? How how, how did you walk through that decision? Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, baseball, it's. He's always understood that playing baseball has inherent risks of injury. You know, uh, he could get hit by a line drive or a comeback or something that that could happen. But that's always been a risk, you know, that's pretty marginal. But in this season, it's it's now being asked to increase, take on a little bit more risk. And not only that, have your family take on risk, too. It's not like if he gets hit by a comeback or I get hit by a comeback or two, like, now it's a question of like, now you're at risk and you might put your family at risk. And that's something that was a very difficult conversation to have. Um, but ultimately I wanted him to be able to play because selfishly, he's a free agent at the end of this year. Can he, will he get a job if he doesn't play this season? Will he get signed or our team's going to get spooked and say, you know, we don't want to sign somebody who didn't play in 2020 because he might not play in 2021 or he might be too outspoken or he might be this, this or that, you know? So it was really important to him that he doesn't jeopardize his future uh, by, by not playing, you know, he wants to be able to, our goal for him, his entire career has always been to retire on his own terms, to be a person who can step away the way that he wants to, not because he's chased out, not because he's, you know, not by an injury. He wants to be able to leave when he's comfortable. And this didn't feel like leaving when he's comfortable, unfortunately. So let's take a minute to talk about dugout mugs. The baseball season is almost here. And while fans probably won't be at the ballpark, you can still get the ballpark feeling with dugout mugs. The company was started in a college baseball dugout, hence the name. It's the barrel of a baseball bat turned into a 12 ounce mug licensed by MLB with your favorite team laser engraved onto a birch wood baseball bat barrel mug. Perfect for the big game to put on display or as a unique gift for a baseball fan. Go to dugoutmugs.com slash the athletic and use promo code MLB30 for 30% off your first purchase. That's dugoutmugs.com slash the athletic and code MLB30. Fill that baseball void with your very own dugout mug today. Well, you know, I've, I've shrewdly noticed that uh, there's some folks on Twitter who haven't been real understanding of one of the biggest reasons that mm-hmm. Sean's so concerned about the health and safety issues. I know it's hard to believe he could find commentary like that on Twitter. On but... Twitter.com? <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah, look Are into that. Are we talking about someday. the same website? I don't know. About I can't that. be. Maybe, maybe not. <laughs> I, I, let, look, let's make this clear. The, that reason is you, right? And your own health history. So I, I wanted to play for you what he had to say about you when he visited us on Starkville just mm-hmm. a few weeks ago. 
my wife, um, she, she has a history of, of respiratory issues and um, she has a, acute asthma. And um, there's been a number of times during her life that uh, that asthma has kind of flared up and manifested as, as pneumonia and she's had to be hospitalized. And, um, you know, it, it shouldn't require people disclosing um, maybe some, some health conditions that they might have. That's kind of a privacy issue, but she wanted, she wanted to shed some light on um, just how the plans like this might impact players and their families. All right. So Aaron, he makes an important point. Uh, you shouldn't have to be broadcasting your personal health history to the world, but you've made the choice to do that. So tell us why. And, and did your husband uh, depict that uh, accurately and eloquently? Um, yes, I, I can see why people got so mad at that. Um, <laughs> um, so he did, he was accurate and, um, it is something I didn't have to do. Um, but I did it not because I wanted to say I'm a special, unique circumstance. I wanted to do that because I'm not the only circumstance and other people might not be comfortable. I'll say anything online and that's a problem. Like you can, if you follow me, <laughs> I'll say anything. And yeah, it's a big problem for him and for me, but other people might not be comfortable coming forward and saying, I have a immune, I'm not, I'm immune compromised. I have one of our kids is, you know, my wife is pregnant. My, I, we live with a, uh, you know, somebody in our house who any number of things. And I know I'm not the only one with, with the Tata health history that puts us at greater risk. And when people talk about the season back when he went on the podcast, it was still kind of an abstraction, right? Like it was still like yeah. this theoretical future nebulous thing that had not, we had not fully conceptualized what it actually would look like. And so I think a lot of people were still thinking, well, these players, they will just have to live alone in a bubble. And like, they don't, they think they don't think of them as, human beings outside of the stadium, even outside of the games. So like they don't think of the, the staff members that they're interacting with, the hundreds of staff members that they're interacting with. They don't think of the families that they're coming home to. Um, so I wanted to humanize that a little bit and say like, you know, it's, it's more than just the 25 guys you see on the, you know, roster. It's more than the uniformed personnel. There's, many other people myself included and here's a potential risk and you know i think i can understand why that may have come across as like feel sorry for me I, I don't i don't need that i don't want that i was just trying to make the point that like there are a lot of us and these are conversations that are happening around the league right now from players and if they're happening with players you could bet they're happening with staff who cannot afford to opt out cannot afford to get sick and take the time off you know so just take us let's tap the brakes a little bit and think about that and make sure that there are protections in place for them. You know? Oh, absolutely. And I, and I know you've, you've taken and invested so much of your life and time to issues of equity. You know, you've raised the voice or amplified the voices of many uh, that may not have the, quite the same platform. Uh, I mean, what has been, you know, your overarching inspiration of in that? And I guess, where do you see baseball's role in it? I think baseball has a huge opportunity to lead here because if everyone has been talking about having sports back as the first big sign of normal again baseball has a great opportunity to lead that it didn't even it didn't even intend to you know maybe it didn't invite this it's just like this is a huge opportunity to capitalize on and really set the tone for a country that is struggling right now 
I'm not saying baseball will solve our problems of systemic racism or a virus that's killed 130,000 Americans so far. I'm saying like, this is an opportunity to show people like how to like Mike Trout running the bases in a mask. That was huge. That does more than Dr. Fauci could do in 10 hours of congressional testimony. One picture of Mike Trout running the bases, you know, Sean talking for 30 minutes in a press conference on zoom with a mask on that. Those are the kinds of things that can, give baseball an opportunity to lead and set an example because unfortunately kids aren't signing, you know, running up to Dr. Fauci, having him sign baseball cards. They're running up to Mike Trout. And they, when they see that they're going to think, all right, he's, he's worried enough about this and he doesn't think it looks dorky or he doesn't, you know, think it looks weak. He's wearing a mask. So I'm going to wear a mask. And I think baseball has that opportunity right now. And I hope it, you know, the opportunity cost is so great and not, leading properly, I, I really would hope that they do this as safely as possible and don't cut corners because that can also set an example and set a tone for a nation. If they're cutting corners and not being as, you know, they're only being publicly facing, uh, you know, like this window dressing protections. We, we need like, if they're messing up their testing, that can also set a bad example, I think. Um, and that's something I really don't want baseball to do because I think it's a force for good. I'm, I'm really glad to, that you raised this because this is something that I have heard people inside baseball talk about from the beginning. Uh, it's a chance to not just come back and play, but to show people how this can be done. Yeah. And uh, testing and tracing are a huge part of that. Uh, wearing masks and doing it right are a huge part of that. And like every time one of these issues flares up, uh, the Nationals have to cancel a workout. There, uh, you have a player opting out. Uh, we we get flooded by commentary from people on both sides, but a lot of people say just don't play. This is a reason to play, isn't it? Yes. To show America that y this can be done. We can continue to go about living our lives. We just have to do it different. Yes. And I think that's that's hopefully what the message that people have gotten from Sean in in everything he said so far. Um, I hope that's the message that they take home. If he didn't want to play, he wouldn't be saying any of this. He would have opted out long ago. And if I didn't want him to play, I wouldn't be saying any of this. I mean, maybe I, I probably would because I care about his teammates and, you know, the staff that we know and love. But um, it, this is an opportunity for baseball to, you know, I really don't want them to bungle this because it could be the first example our American, you know, public has seen of it going well, of efforts going right. And I want mm -hmm. I think I think it can. I really do. I think if we get this testing thing ironed out, I think it can work. If we have all buy in from everybody involved, I think it's possible. And, you know, one of the problems is that a lot of that manual, that 113 page manual, puts all of the responsibility. It, it requires 100% perfection from the players and the staff. But, and if they don't, the margin for error there is huge. But then this huge testing failure of snafu, I should say, over the weekend, where is their culpability in that? Where is the league? We, we also need perfection from the league too, if they're going to demand that of the players and staff. No doubt. Hey, what, one, one quick follow-up. 
Is there still a chance that Sean could still opt out? I, I know you made fun of him on Twitter the other day mm-hmm. uh, for taking so long you have to, to be answer more that specific. question yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah, right. on his way into the ballpark. <laughs> but it's a serious question. Mm-hmm. Could Sean oh, yeah, that, that still decide to opt out? Yeah, he could. Um, he could. And I think he's I think he talked about the other day. Um, I didn't see the whole press conference. I just saw some clips. But I think he talked about how some of the things that might the criteria that he has for staying in or versus opting out. One of them is his mental health. Um, and I think that's something that's incredibly important. And I think that's something that should be treated just as seriously as a pre-existing condition for a lot of a lot of cases. Um, I know that sounds a little bit silly, you know, on the surface, but mental health is extremely important. Um, addiction, I'm not, you know, not saying I'm just giving examples, depression, addiction, anxiety. These are things that people really uh, baseball players deal with. You may never hear about them because it's not an injury that can land them on the injured list, but these are things that they deal with. And this is a unique situation. This is baseball as we've never seen it before. So we cannot envision, we cannot possibly project what they will feel if one of their teammates is, God forbid, on a ventilator, one of their clubhouse attendants is in the hospital. We don't know how they're going to feel playing a game and being, you know, asked to travel when a person that they see every single day and care about is really, really sick, and they are part of the reason that that person is in that position. We don't know how that's going to impact mental health. So that's something he really does have to stay on top of, and that's something I think a lot of players are going to have to start, you know, dealing with I, I know that's become a lot more open in the clubhouse Doug I don't know if you are if you can speak to this in in your day but like I don't know how stigmatized mental health was um, versus now what do you think yeah no there's there's no doubt that uh, you know we're slowly evolving to acknowledge and recognize how critical this is it's, it's every bit as your broken arm or you know uh, knee surgery and and my father was a psychiatrist growing up so I've always had a uh-huh. A, a direct connection to understanding the importance of of taking care of yourself and the mental components. And and we're in a pandemic. I mean, we've been isolated from friends and yeah. family. You know, I haven't seen my mom and I couldn't tell you. So there's all these um, components that are compounding. And, and I guess, you know, that is part of the opportunity of baseball uh, in addition to setting this tone about dealing with the pandemic and testing but it's also the social implications. And I, and I guess I'm curious of your thoughts of, I'll, I'll give you a quick example. I taught a course this semester at UConn and I added an assignment, assignment three, which said, what does the world look like without sports? Because it was sort of around when Rudy Gobert and the NBA were kind of <laughs> slowly folding. And what was so interesting is that a, a lot of the identity-based social activism was was not was almost on pause from a media coverage or public domain because everybody understandably was worried about survival. We were in the, sort of those stages, huh. and so and yeah. so when you're and so I was curious what the students would how you know how they would interpret that. So you know so I posed it to them, and many were trying to figure out like okay, players had the opportunity through the pandemic to kind of be more open and active socially in a way that they're not sticking to sports that was sort of acceptable. But when you kind of shift towards the identity base, you know, Black Lives Matters and, and you know, sort of all these uh, components that deal with identity, it was much more difficult to, quote unquote, not stick to sports. So within, so my question poses is within, you know, navigating some of the pandemic 
challenges faced to baseball. What do you see about the genuine intent or opportunity that baseball has on the, in the social con- context, whether it is mental yeah. illness, but also in these other, uh, because that's a, it's a lot to take on, but they're not one, they're not sort of independent. They actually connect the dots to each other. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and, you know, racism is a public health issue, you know? Um, So that's that they do go hand in hand. Um, And also the pandemic is disproportionately killing people of color. So that's something that we need to think about in a lot of these cities where, you know, that and the staff that work there are people of color and are, are living in communities that are at risk disproportionately. So from this pandemic. So I think baseball does have an opportunity to lead. I know, you know, it, it's had many opportunities to set the tone, you know, with breaking the color barrier. And um, I think baseball does have an opportunity to lead in a lot of ways. And sometimes sports leagues and not just baseball have abdicated that responsibility in terms of like dealing with domestic violence, dealing with systemic racism, dealing with police brutality as the NFL did with Colin Kaepernick. I think just as they have the opportunity to sort of fall short in living up to their you know, ability to lead, I think they can lead just as strongly. So this is an opportunity where we're seeing players speak like we've never seen before. We're seeing, you know, between the social media and, you know, the lack of baseball, we're seeing players speak out. And it's amazing. People that have never talked before, like, I didn't know they had, I didn't know they could talk. And I know these people, like, (laughs) we're seeing them finally speak out. And, you know, because of the pandemic, we're all sitting at home and we don't have sports. So to sort of answer your question, I think the world looks like the people who are marching for George Floyd and Breonna Taylor. I think that's what it could look like in its best possible iteration. And I think it could be players speaking out. I think it could be CeCe Sabathia having a number of black players on his podcast talking about experiences they've had in the clubhouse out loud to each other, to the world, in a way that white players have never heard. You know, Sean listened to this podcast. I don't know if you heard the CeCe Sabathia podcast with uh, Cameron Mabin, Chris Young, uh, uh, Prince Fielder, uh, a couple other guys, they were talking about experiences of racism in clubhouses. And it, Sean played with these guys. And he's like, oh, my God, I had, where the hell was I? You know, yeah. I think it's not just an opportunity for players to incorporate these this new voice that they found. It's something that they can bring into the clubhouse and improve their own world, which is going to be amazing. They can improve their own clubhouses. Um, and I think that's, I think that's something we're going to see, and I'm really excited to see it. Yeah, I mean, and yeah, and there's no doubt that uh, baseball. You know, you saw Theo Epstein with the, with the Cubs uh, for the draft. You know, you know, have the signs where all the GMs, you know, try to you know support causes. In this case, they had the hashtag Black Lives Matter. But in many regards, now it's thinking about sort of the statement, moving that and shifting it towards the sort of action items. And in, in your life, you've yeah. done this a number of times. You know, you think of the Oakland A's and LGBTQ community, uh, your support. I mean, what uh, what has been, you know, your sort of lifelong inspiration around activism on these social issues, even as it pertains uh, through baseball or not? Um. I don't know. I've kind of always been a pain in the ass. Um, <laughs> like I've always kind of been that person. Um, and Sean has, has too. Sean is incapable of holding, of, 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 he can't sleep at night if he thinks someone somewhere is cutting somebody else off in a line. Like he gets mad at any injustice. He gets so mad about it and it bothers him. And like he can't sleep because of it. And like when we talk about mental health, this is a big part of it. Like he, 
the idea that somebody somewhere is on the receiving end of an injustice, it really bothers us and in him in particular. So when he hears his teammates, you know, telling these stories of clubhouses that Sean was in, it really bothers him. And it's something that, that we can't just let go. We have to try to see, okay, what can we do to fix this? What, what is our role in this? Like not, we are not under this insane impression that we are the people who must fix it or can fix it on our own, but hopefully we have enough of a platform to set an example or make it easier for other players to speak out. Uh, um, you know, when he, when Sean is able to speak out, maybe they see him and they're like, well, he's no Mike Trout, but you know, he's been in the league long enough. So if he can speak out, maybe I can too. I hope that's the case. Um, and I, I, I think we just are so keenly aware of how short this window is for him. And this, this platform is a currency and it's, we have to spend it really wisely. We have to use it. You know, we can use it to go get a really good reservation at a steakhouse or like get a really nice deal on a car, like, which I would love, but (laughs) that's beside the point. (laughs) I think it's also, it's also a way, something we can use to, get public support, like set an example and say, these are our values. And those who are with us, please make it like, come join us. We would love to have you. Let's do something good. That's, that's sort of where it comes from, I think. And what do you tell the people who say stick to sports? I mean, what are you, a state senator? Like, who are these people saying, like, what, what is it? Like, I never understand that. Like, people say stick to sports. People say stick to this, this or that. I'm like, I have a degree in social theology. Like I have a, like that. This is what I do. Like this is my entire thing. It's complaining with a master's degree. Like <laughs> sh- stick. When people say stick to sports, it really makes no sense because the people saying it. I'm like, what? Why would you? Why is that only levied against athletes or celebrities that like? You don't. Agree, you never would say to somebody like your buddy that you're at a barbecue with who is a teacher like stick to teaching like it doesn't if it's a I don't know does that make sense like every anyone has an ability to formulate an opinion or formulate like and express it if you don't like it because the platform is larger than yours I'm sorry you you have the I invite you to unfollow please do but it doesn't mean like I I also like the thing about Sean is like he is extremely principled as you as you've probably seen he's extremely principled and he takes it very seriously and um to the point where it's a huge pain for me but um he he's open to changing his mind he's open to learning more and if he's wrong like he wants people to say you know have you thought about it this way he he loves being corrected too like we both do we're okay with that and like if we're wrong on something please let us know and when all you can do is say stick to sports, that's unhelpful. That is not constructive. If you want us to change our mind or want us to use our platform to, to shine a light on something else, I, I t- like tell us if if you think we're wrong, why? But don't just say like you are not allowed to like you your opinion is invalid because you throw a ball kind of fast. Like that you could say that about anyone if you wanted to. You know, you can find any reason to tell anybody that their opinion is invalid based on their job. Yeah, I, you know, I think Doug I, and I, I both know. are. are we're, Doug and I both are all about conversation. We're all about listening. 
we're all about raising questions. I think we we all have that in common. Um, like I, you know, I, and you've raised a lot of questions just to bring it back to the the health and safety issues about your just your concerns about this the the, the testing system and the protocols. Um, you know, I, I I know that I ran into this last week. Uh, writing a piece that raised some uncomfortable questions about where this could be leading. And the response of so many people when you just ask questions is, why do you want this to fail? Why do you not want this to work? Uh, Tell me about your experiences of raising these questions and how people respond to those questions. I think we're getting the same responses. I think we've got... Yeah, right? The same people, yeah. (laughs) That could be. Why do you want this to fail? I don't know. That's that's not a thing. Like our jobs depend on it. If anyone wants us to succeed, it's the people whose absolute livelihood depends upon the succeeding. Exactly. And actual lives depend upon the succeeding, not just livelihood, but physical lives. So when somebody says you want this to fail, no, I want this to be safe. I want this to work. And I don't want this to fail. That is why I'm saying this, because these are the things that will make it fail. So when somebody says like, you know, why are you complaining? You just, you know, you want this to fail. It's like, no, I'm just telling you, here's how it could. And let's do something now to fix it. So it doesn't fail. And here, I think here are some criteria for how it could fail. It could fail in the testing strategy. It could fail in like the scheduling of it. It could fail. If any number of players or staff members decide they're tired of wearing a mask and decide to go to, you know, a restaurant or, you know, do something that might put their clubhouse at risk. Talking about those things possibly happening doesn't mean you want them to happen. It's just saying, hey, here are some of the pitfalls that we may want to avoid. And, uh, you know, if we wanted this to fail, we wouldn't be trying so hard. I don't work this hard and he doesn't work this hard and you don't work this hard for a futile endeavor. I just, you know, <laughs> your livelihood depends <laughs> on it. Both of you. Sean's livelihood yeah. depends on it. Uh you know, his future in the sport depends on this working and our physical lives depend on this working and this strategy, this testing and health and safety protocol working. So I really, if this fails, by the way, that means somebody is really sick or dying or something bad has happened. So no, we do not want this to fail. You know, that's, that's sort of my take on this. And, and we also have examples or at least an example to look to, you know, the, like the KBO, the Korean Baseball League, and yeah, there's many different circumstances, but it, you see a, an example of, okay, this has gone pretty well. Uh, there are 60 games into their season, 60 plus game. And and they're pretty strict if they have a positive test or, you know, I mean, there's conditions by which they shut the league down for three weeks. And, and so, you know, there also is something aspirational to say, you know, if we could, you know, harness our you know, quote unquote, exceptionalism and figure out a way to, you know, use it constructively and put all these resources in the right direction, we should succeed. I think that's, yeah. that's also part of it. And what can be frustrating because it's because we're, we're getting out of the gate, you know, limping in through a nasty collective bargaining situation that was, you know, or negotiation, I should say. Um, I mean, what, what was, you know, as this was unfolding, the question of whether baseball would even play or not, I mean, what was your feelings throughout that whole period of just trying to get the deal done? Well, I was kind of confused because I didn't understand why they thought that the March agreement was something other than what 
it was, but I don't really want to get into like the labor component of it. I can just say like, it felt gross. I hated it. I hated that they were asking us to talk about money when we were trying to, you know, Sean, as you know, has been talking about health and safety from the start. And the fact that he had to like put that on hold and talk, you know, as a, as a uh, player representative, alternate representative, like he had to talk about like stuff that he thought they'd been figured out months ago. That was incredibly frustrating and infuriating that it was like, why are you making us talk about money? Why are you making, we, we figured that part out months ago. Can we please talk about health and safety? That's what we want to get to because that's where our country is right now. They don't have a choice. They can't talk about money because they might have lost their jobs. We don't want to be talking about this right now. We want to be talking about the things we could do to get people safe and like getting people back to work in a way that does not make them accept standards that are unsafe for them because they need the job. That's not where we want to be as a league because that sets the tone for any other employer in this country to send people back into, you know, work in unsafe conditions. So it was infuriating that the tone was not front and center health and safety. And in fairness, a lot of the players in the union, that was the, those were the questions that were, were being talked about. And unfortunately, the public conversation had to be, it kept being about the economics of it because that was what was publicly, you know, being talked about most. And, uh, you know, it was unfortunate that nobody ever got to hear any of the concerns from the players talking about like, Hey, what happens if a player tests positive on the road? Like another question, how do we stop this? If this gets really bad, what are the criteria, um, for an abort button? Like nobody ever got to hear those things. All they heard is like millionaires versus billionaires, like those kinds of things. And it's like, they don't understand the players are in a unique position to when they negotiate for themselves, they are very much in the understanding that they're also negotiating for people who are not at the table, like staff and the staff families and the other auxiliary workers who are not technically employed by baseball, but rely on baseball to have a job like hotel workers, like food service, like all of the stadium workers, you know, who are contracted out. Like they understand that it is, they are not just talking about themselves, quote unquote millionaires. Many of them are, but not all of them. They're also advocating hopefully for minor leaguers and for the staff that they really care about, that they work with every day who don't have a voice. So I, I wish people got to hear that sort of thing, but instead we had to hear these gross, disgusting conversations about the economics of it that, you know, it was, I, I can't even put words to it. It was, it was <laughs> disgusting. I hated it. Hey, it, it stunk for those of us who had to cover it. Too, <laughs> right. because I, I, I cannot to, imagine. I, I am so oh. sorry. <laughs> God, <laughs> All right, we're, we're, we're not going to hold you Why personally responsible for us? it, but <laughs> like Too we always recognize that health and blame. <laughs> I, know. I know you're off the hook. You are off the all hook. Right, but like we you. we all thank recognize you. that health and safety was way more important. It's just that the other thing drowned up the real conversation that yes. we really needed to have. It was, yes. it was a mess. I know. And those conversations in fairness were happening. Those health and safety conversations were happening behind the scenes. The leaks that you saw, by the way, like all of those leaks and whatever, I know it wasn't just from the league end that was getting, you know, these leaks out. They all happened to be these financial proposals. You'll notice you only saw one health and safety leak. Do you notice that? Right, right. Yeah, the 67 saw a bunch of economic ones. Right, right. Yeah, the 67, the one that was late, you know, that was like, now it's 70 pages. Now it's 100 pages. I'm like, are you just double spacing? Come on, dude. Like, what are you doing here? Um, 
<laughs> I don't care about yeah, how, I know how you... long it is. I need an answer to what happens if there's an outbreak. <laughs> Use a sentence, all right? Yeah. Somewhere in that page. But, you know. I, I know you were asking that, a lot more questions besides. negotiated. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we've talked about this before. You weren't asking just where and when. You had a lot of questions. Did you, did you ever get an answer on what happens if, for example, a player tests positive on the road? I think that's a working conversation, which I hope it's working quickly because the season is happening in yeah. two weeks. Yeah. yeah. Like two, two, two and a half weeks, maybe. Yeah. I mean, that's a conversation that, that, that hopefully is resolved. As I last heard, and I could be incorrect, if a player tests positive on the road, they are to be quarantined in that road city, I believe. And like, you got to believe mm -hmm. that they're just as likely to test positive on the road as they are at home. I mean, just based on the schedule, it's 50, 50. Um, I believe like you're just as likely. So <laughs> there's a real chance you could test positive on the road. I don't know why it's assumed that they would be, you know, the virus would be so kind as to wait until you're at home. Um, <laughs> I think, I think you're supposed to be quarantining in a hotel, which a, that puts a hotel workers at risk. And it, uh, I think that, there's been some discussion of finding kind of the equivalent of a safe house. Oh, they did go with that. Okay. Stay in. I don't, I don't know where that, that is. Do they have 30? Cause they could possibly need 30 safe houses. At, at, right. You know? Every, like every single franchise. Yeah. Need to come up with that plan. I mean, like for uh, what, what happens if multiple players test positive, because that's going to be also somewhat likely. I mean, I'm not saying they can't room together. Like you bunk together who cares like you're adults but uh, what happens if it's like a bunch of players that test positive because that could happen um right i think the idea was like once they're done i think they were going to rent a car for the player and they would drive home i think is that Wait, where from that seattle was, from seattle well, to Houston. dude i'm just <laughs> i'm just telling you whatever like i i know that that was there was that was talked about i mean i think you guys have seen that too right the rental car yeah. thing where it's they're like, we'll, we'll, we'll find a way to get, we'll get you a car service. If it's close, like if it's New York to, you know, Philly, but you know, if it's further than that, we'll get you, you can't fly. I don't think if you've just, you know, been quarantining with the it's virus so and right. Yeah, yeah. Like we'll rent you a car. And it's like, that's presuming a, that they're asymptomatic B well enough to drive C that like, it's not Miami to Toronto. Like, yeah, no, your point, Aaron, just the fact that the, every state has, you know, all these different approaches to the virus, right? I, I mean, I'm in yeah. Connecticut. They just uh, banned three more states that are up to 19 now that have certain quarantine protocols if for entering wow. into the state. Um, I mean, you know, and, and Connecticut, quote unquote, is leading the league right now in terms of testing. Uh, they've done done well in terms of the low percentage and have you know sort of flattened and gone negative but as yeah. you know that that, could, that you know that could change because of just the the uncertainty right we're still yeah. you know we're seeing social distance and and these protocols as, as our only way right now since we don't have a vaccine we don't have a lot of things um so i guess you know how um you mentioned this sort of the, the travel and the road uh do you do you envision going on the road yourself at all or are you just no. going to be just staying in yeah no. Yeah, I'm staying in. Um, I, I can't be, can't be anywhere near this. Um, I think, you know, it, it's not going to, it wouldn't, this isn't a vacation, you know, even if I uh, under like 
even if I didn't have a pre-existing health condition, I, this wouldn't be like a fun little road trip because, you know, my worry is that people are going to go on the road and, you know, visit family and they're going to be like, I'm bored. We're in New York city. Come on. Or like we're in Miami restaurants are technically open. Let's just go to dinner. Like I'm worried about that happening. I'm not saying I don't trust like teammates and staff members. I think they're taking this incredibly seriously, but they're, I, can I account for how many people, 1600 people on a 60 man roster right now or 1200 if it's down to 40 man, like, can I account for all of them? I can't do math. Look, I'm a humanities degree. Like, what do I, I don't know math. You do the math for me. Um, <laughs> a million, I don't know. So. <laughs> yeah. You alluded to this earlier. Are, are, are you two living apart all season? And yeah. if you are, how did yeah. that come about and how many players are doing that? Um, I don't know how many players are doing that. And I know it's not uncommon. I mean, listen, I, I'm not, I want to be clear, like, this is not a complaint. I, it's quite enjoyable to live apart from him. Like, it's fine for me. <laughs> um, but <laughs> I'm loving it. It's home alone for me. Um, but it's, it's, it's something that a lot of players do anyway, but not all of them. You know, some of them have kids in school. Um, so they're, you know, their, their family is only able to live with them during the summer, may, maybe, because um, the kids aren't in school. But this season, I know, I know a lot of people are not living with their families who otherwise do. I, I normally do live with Sean because um, most of my work is done remotely. All of my schoolwork was, was most of it was done remotely. Um, but this is going to be, uh, we, we had to make this call because I can't, if he, I don't want him to have to worry about what he is bringing home to me. If the health and safety thing is because we know there's going to be hiccups. We know there's going to be things that need to be ironed out, but we need the margin for error in a hiccup now is very different than it was a year ago pre-pandemic um, if it doesn't work. So, you know, he just I didn't want him to constantly worry about like, you know, because during spring training, he was constantly worried about like, what am I bringing home? What what fan was I around? What player, what teammate, what staff member was I around that didn't know that they had the virus maybe or maybe was carrying it. And am I now bringing it home to my spouse who has had viral pneumonia before, which is what COVID becomes in its worst iteration. And it's, it's not fun. It's, you know, I almost died. It's very scary. Um, so, so he's seen me when I was very, very sick. And so he's like, we came to the agreement very quickly. I cannot be anywhere near that. Um, but we also don't want to be like, I don't know how to say this, but like, that far apart because the idea was like I'd go back to Chicago but then we were like wait a minute I don't have anyone in Chicago that like if I get sick it would be able to help me out like normally you know if I were with Sean and I was sick he could help me out a little bit um and then I was like well if Sean gets sick the, the real question is what happens if Sean gets sick and he's living alone or he's out on the road like is he gonna have somebody nearby not that I, I can be physically present with him if he's sick but like, would I be close enough to be a patient advocate for him or to help him out, you know, with anything he needs, you know, um, to, to, you know, get done, but he can't do because he can't leave the house. Like, I just wanted to be close enough so that he has a practical help. <laughs> so uh, we're, I'm going to be around uh, in kind of surfing couches a little bit for a couple months. Um, I might go back to Chicago periodically where, where we usually live, but um I, we really didn't want to be too far apart um, just in case, God forbid, 
the worst does happen and one of us does get sick. Wow. So, so many questions. Uh, you were in charge of humanizing. That was some excellent humanization right there. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hey, <laughs> well, you know, one last thing. Now, we need to promote your runaway hit show. Yeah. <laughs> it's Lit with Aaron, uh, which you can find, what, on Twitter and Facebook? Is that right? <laughs> yeah. In my warped yeah. brain. Uh... Now, for some reason, your frequent guest in these shows is a pitcher for the Nationals, this guy named... Sean Doolittle. I know, it's a huge I, I just, get. I know. Huge get yeah, for him. Yeah, I don't know how you got him on the show, but let, let's hear the way you've introduced him on some of these shows. Oh, my God. Our first guest, public health officials watch him pitch when they want to learn how to flatten a curve. We welcome my husband, Sean Doolittle, up top. No. No. no, I'm not high-fiving that. With me in studio this week, we have World Series champion pitcher, mediocre loader of the dishwasher, here he is, seated at an appropriate distance away. Please welcome my husband, Sean Doolittle. This week in studio, we have a man joining us who hasn't brushed his teeth before 4 p.m. in the last three weeks. Once again, we welcome my husband, Sean Doolittle. Today in studio, we have a man who looks like he manages a microbrewery, but not very well. Once again, we welcome my husband, Sean Doolittle. Sean Doolittle, everybody. Mediocre loader of the dishwasher. That's a big topic at our bad house, when you too. Play by the way. them back to back. Jeez. <laughs> yeah. All right. You're going to have to clear this up. Uh, you know, those of us on the outside, yeah. we think of Sean as smart, cool, funny, Who? aware. Name names. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's what I. That's what we think. We also we, we think he's really good at Where's baseball. Where's the bar I'm set just... for that? <laughs> All right. Yeah, we're gonna have to Let's re-examine. <laughs> so wait. So apparently he has some flaws. Well, what, what do you want the world know. to know about your husband? Did you want me to humanize or not? Let's be real. Yeah, here. we do. <laughs> yeah. So. Let's. You want to humanize? Let's do that. No, he. So I don't tell him what I'm gonna introduce him as. I I kind of want his reaction <laughs> to be as organic as possible. And so I I come up with these things like these possible introductions. Um, and like I'll think of him like when I'm like in the shower, or, like I'm falling asleep, or like you know I'm on a run, and I'll stop what I'm doing and I'll get my phone out and I'll type it in my notes app so I don't forget <laughs> it. I'm like we'll use it next time. And so I looked at my notes app the other day. I was like, I have like 400 insulting lines <laughs> oh, about no. my husband. And I know. I was like, this is so weird. If anyone found this, it'd be like, she really hates this guy. <laughs> but it's like 400 insults in one document. I'm like, man, I got to put a lot of episodes on if I'm going to use all these. They're pretty good. <laughs> pretty good one. I, I was pretty proud of that flattening the curve line. I'll tell you. I was really, I was really solid, proud of that. Yeah. Solid. Absolutely solid. <laughs> It's the line of the pandemic so far. Yeah. Uh, all right, Aaron, is like, it's, it's been fantastic having you here. Uh, you are a way more fun and interesting guest than your husband. Can you put that, on, uh, put I'm that just in kidding. writing? Put that in writing. <laughs> now, you. you guys are now officially the first couple of Starkville. So if we ever stage like yeah. a homecoming game, you'll definitely be the homecoming king and queen, Absolutely. I promise. The wedding I want, suite I want the a Starkville real crown. Hotel. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's, we'll get the mayor on the tiara. Yeah, so let's get going there, Tim. Thank you, guys. Yeah, well, thanks so yeah, much, Aaron. Th like, thanks so much for visiting us in Starkville. Yeah. It was a pleasure. And thanks for Thank your you voice. So much for having thanks me. for your voice and your great work. I really appreciate it. it. Makes such a difference. Thank you both. Thank you for yeah. both for, yep. for for being so great on this coverage. And like, I know it's hard. You know, a lot. It's very easy and probably the path of least resistance to try to cover this normally because that's 
we want this to be a normal baseball season, but like, I really, really appreciate both of you talking about this because you know, the ins and outs of the season and the operation of baseball, you know, as an industry and you know, the human stakes and, you know, I, I really appreciate you being honest about this and talking about it in real terms and human terms. So thank you so much, both of you. I, I really do appreciate that. And a lot of baseball well, families and staff member families in particular really appreciate that. Yeah, well, thank you back. As we've said many times, if there's one word that describes this season, normal is not it. <laughs> it ain't it. That's right. <laughs> no. Aaron, thanks again. Well, thank you anyway, guys. Okay. Yeah, well, I appreciate it. Bye, guys. Right. Bye-bye. Gentlemen, are you prepared to unveil your summer bod? The beaches are opening, the sun is shining, and Manscaped is here to ensure your post-quarantine body is ready for the wild. This is the best trimmer on the market for those of you in need of a chest shave. This third-generation trimmer features skin-safe technology to reduce manscaping accidents. You can also adjust settings to get the length you like, and you can stay on top of it with almost no effort at all. Subscribe to the perfect package and get a new blade refill for your lawnmower or trimmer delivered to your door every three months. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code THEATHLETIC at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use code THEATHLETIC. And for a limited time, subscribers get not one, but two free gifts, the Shed Travel Bag, $39 value, and the patented high-performance anti-chafing Manscaped Boxer Briefs. So go to manscaped.com today and use the code THEATHLETIC. Doug, it's time for one of our favorite parts of every podcast, listener trivia. It's our way of involving you, our favorite listeners, in this show. And once again, this week, we are literally involving you. Uh, You know, what we used to do was we'd have me read the trivia question. I'd probably bungle the pronunciation of the name. But now we stumbled upon a way better idea. if we select your trivia question out there, you get the opportunity to ask it to us live. It's your chance to achieve major podcast stardom merely by stumping us. What could possibly go wrong, right? A lot. So, <laughs> yeah, there is that. All right, let's bring in this week's special guest trivia king. It's Matt Kultoff, whose Twitter handle is at Trap underscore four underscore oh fools. Uh, all right, Matt, before we get to the baseball part of this, uh, I got two, two questions. What is the significance of that Twitter handle? And why did you post a photo of Paul McCartney where your photo is supposed to be? <laughs> uh, both great questions. The, un- the significance, I'm going to make myself sound way more academic than I am, but there is a Kipling poem, uh, If, that talks about uh, if you can stand to see your words twisted into a trap for fools, which I always thought was such a great description <laughs> of uh, yeah, of what Twitter becomes sometimes. It. So that was the significance <laughs> of it. Uh, and and when I was a kid, I used to get uh, told by uh, told that I looked like Very McCartney. Cool. So Very it's a standard for my wow. actual face. Wow! So we got Doug. Yeah. We got a guy who quotes yeah. Rudyard Kipling and is mistaken for Paul McCartney. Yeah, our coolest guest ever. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> Well, my, this is. I'm really setting well, my, the bar. Well, my av- my, my avatar would have happen. been Eddie this Murphy cool. until I was like 35. So you know. So. I, <laughs> I, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right, Matt. Tell us where you're from, yeah. what team you root for, and what inspired you to submit this week's trivia question. 
Yeah, so I live in uh, New Haven, Connecticut, and right. I am an Astros fan, which means that I am keeping a uh, very low profile. Yeah, <laughs> wow. How did that happen? Where did that? Yeah, I grew up. I grew up in Houston, and I've lived in Connecticut for for most of the last twenty years. And uh, and you just, you know, uh, I twenty seventeen was a magical year, and uh, it's too bad that it's kind of unfolded the way that it has the last few months. So, all of the Red Sox and Yankees fans that I gloated over for uh, oh, yeah. for years oh, have uh, uh, have have let me have. I'm oh, sure. Oh, no. Well, Matt, you had a great run. Good run. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it, was a, it was a good run. Yeah. Well, you're going to have a yeah. good day anyway, because the time has come for you to Let's ask this week's Starkville trivia question. The floor is yours. Uh, thank you. So uh, I, I thought about this because I was thinking about a particular player who not only played for a lot of teams, but played very well for a lot of teams. So my question to you is uh, to name the players that have made an all-star team while playing for at least five different teams. Wow. And I'll give an example of a wrong answer, and that's Nolan Ryan. Nolan Ryan made an all-star team with the uh, with the Angels and Astros and Rangers, but of course that's only three teams. I'm aware of two players that actually did it with five. Wow, five. Whew. All right, well, Matt, I want you to know, I did know one of these guys off the top of my head. Yeah, he's yes. one of the great human trivia answers. And, you know, I ha I'm one of those people I have like a million fragments of, of various <laughs> trivia answers rattling around my head. They're like graffiti. OK, <laughs> but I'm I'm almost sure one of these two is Gary Sheffield. Um, but then who the yeah. heck is the other? Right. So uh, so many really good players who played for a lot of teams. So I I started writing down names and man, there's so many. Uh, Ricky Henderson, I put down uh, Kenny Lofton. David Wells, Ugh. Gaylord Purry, Bartolo, of course. Um, I thought about well-traveled relief pitchers. They're always making oh, all-star teams, yeah. right? Lee Smith, Goose Gossage, Jesse Orozco. Thought about him, Ooh, but Jesse. there's so many more. Uh, I'm like, I don't have any idea, but I'm, I'm just gonna go with Ricky Henderson. So Ricky and Chef Doug, Ugh. what do you got? Well, this is kind of how we do it. How we cheat a little bit is he gives two answers. <laughs> and we combine our brain as one, uh, sort of like when we're both commissioner one day. Um, yeah, yeah. I, it's like funny. That. I had Sheffield, so I'm gonna skip that because uh, some reason that stood at me. So, what about someone like Carlos Beltran, or um, I wasn't sure Reggie Jackson. Reggie Jackson, because I, I think of the home run in the All Star game when he was playing for yeah. the Angels, right? Yeah. That was kind of weird. Like, okay, so you, you figured the A's, the Yankees. Where else did he play? I don't know. I probably have, don't have enough teams. So, <laughs> I, yeah, I don't know if he. I don't think he played for Jim Tomey. It's a good. What about Jim Tomey? Phillies, Jim Tomey. Indians, White Sox, Twins. Did he play for anyone else? That's it. No, ah. Okay. All right. So I, I, you've done extensive research. In yeah, this, I, I haven't. All right. All right. I'm going to sort of throw it out there. So let me throw. Remember, this guy was an Astros fan. Yeah, I'm going to say Carlos. So... I'm going to say Carlos Beltran, and I will say, what about a pitcher, Fernando Rodney? He's played forever. Yeah, he played for like yeah. Fifteen. I'll just throw Fernando Rodney. <laughs> That's what. That... All right. Okay. There's like Matt. This is going to yeah. be a highlight of your day. You get, you, no, you get to is. tell us and, how and, wrong we are. There's no chance it was Sheffield, Ricky, 
Beltron. I, I, I will say this first. I, I thoroughly enjoyed the list of names, and they were a lot of the same <laughs> names that I had come up with. I always hear, I always enjoy hearing uh, Carlos Beltran's name. Ricky Henderson is a great guest. Gary Sheffield is correct. And in fact, the I other correct answer was a teammate of Sheffield's for one season. Ooh. And they won the World Series together. Oh, uh, and it was a name that I had to do a lot of research to come up with, but it's uh, it's Moises Alou. Oh wow, wow! Yeah. I bet that I Moises Alou. Yeah, I can Kong. honestly say I never Expo. thought of him. Where, he snuck he in the Astros. Giants at the end of his career. Uh, it was the Expos, the Marlins, the Astros, the Cubs, and he snuck in a Giants, Giants. All Star appearance. Yeah, that, that's amazing. That's a great one. Yeah. You know, he, like he was a really good player. I honestly can't believe he was an all-star for five teams. Wow. And I probably covered every one of those all-star games. Um, all right. Let, he was let, a great Astro, too. Yeah. So is it anybody, was, he was, said, and it was five or more. Anybody, what's the most? Is it uh, number? I, I could not find anybody with more than five. And I'll give you a couple names that I saw that had four. Alfonso Soriano had four. And, uh, and Kevin Brown had four as well. Wow, Kevin Brown. Amazing. Yeah, and there might actually, be others. There might I think be there's others. actually a bunch with four. You yeah. know, one thing we like to do is uh, we, we get the trivia question wrong, but we salvage it by okay. we bring in the mayor of Starkville, Mayor Tim, and is there any chance, Mr. Mayor, that you have a cool all-star highlight involving Moise Salou? Yeah, guys, let's go back to 1994. Actually, oh, Moise yeah, Salou's yeah, yeah. first all-star game back with the Expos. Game was played in Pittsburgh, Three Rivers Stadium, and Moises Alou's first ever All-Star game at bat actually came in the bottom of the 10th inning. Here you go. First at bat of the night for him. Swinging a drive into the gap in left center field. And up against the fence. This could do it. Being waved home is Gwynn. They got a play to Rodriguez. Safe. Bob Costas on the call. You mentioned all the guys with four. There's actually, from what I've seen, 11 players played in four All-Star games with four different teams. And you you guys mentioned a bunch of them. Uh, Carlos Beltran, uh, Bartolo Colon, uh, Rich Gossage, Lee Smith, Alfonso Soriano, as you said, Walker Cooper, Billy Wagner, Rich Gossage, Kevin Brown, Roger Clemens, Ooh. Roberto Alomar. So a whole bunch of guys played yeah. in four. But there was Moises Alou, and what a great moment for him in a season in 1994 where there was an all-star game, guys, but no World <laughs> Series. Yeah, this could be the opposite, right? Uh, Doug, I thought we had we, like we had that answer surrounded, yeah. but we never thought of the answer. We never thought of Moises. I, mean, I, I had Alomar, I had Clemens, I had all these guys on my list. I did yeah, not have, so and I played with Alou too. I, oh, man. I, oh I, no, like, really? I should have thought of it. Cubs, yeah. Oh, nice going. Yeah, bar- nice no, going. Yeah, no you, batting yeah, gloves, you, right? You, never wore batting gloves. It's, it's like, it was crazy. Uh, uh, what well, a hitter. Anyway, we, look, we, we should let Matt go back to yeah. work. Doug, I think he's supposed to be in court right now. Oh, yeah, now. let's get him in court. Uh, okay. Yeah, it's I believe the American. Everybody can rest the shirt. We've recessed for lunch. Uh, no, we're okay. Uh, oh, okay. okay. <laughs> so the, so the, just confirm for us the American justice system was not placed on hold so you could join Starkville. Yeah, right. Not that this wouldn't have been a valid reason, but it was not placed on hold for this. <laughs> All right, Matt. Nice going. Yeah. Thanks for the great question. Say hello to Paul McCartney for yes. us. Thank you, guys. That was awesome. And, Thanks. And the judge. Stay out of the judge. <laughs> we'll do. Yeah, especially him. Uh, all right. So next week, this could be you. 
asking us a question and enjoying this sort of spectacle, us foofing around, making our usual pathetic guesses. Um, we'll tell you how to do that a little later in the pod. But first, one thing we try to do in this segment is use the trivia question to inspire a topic for the show. So, Doug, uh, why don't we do this? I, I made a quick list of active players who have played for at least five teams um, who do you think is the best player to play for that many teams? Is it Nelson Cruz? Mm -hmm. Is it Edwin Encarnacion? Uh, or is it Zach Grinke? Uh, I, I th uh, what do we do about Josh Donaldson, by the way? He's on his fifth team now, but he hasn't actually played for the Twins. I, I'm going to say he, he's not eligible. These would be the yeah. guys, right? Nelson Cruz, Edwin Encarnacion, Zach Grinke. Oof. Who's number one? Wow, that you know. <clears throat> let me think about that one. I know Nelson Cruz is a favorite trivia answer, and I think that <laughs> yeah, you want a little Nelson Cruz, a so uh, thirty homers for four teams, forty homers for three teams. Yeah, so I got to put him up there just for his sheer perseverance, uh, yeah. geographical diversity, and he won the. Hey, you two are linked by your ESPYS fan. Yes, too. he won the humanitarian award, Muhammad Ali. So um, yeah, I'll throw that out there. Great players, but. Cruz is uh, very trivia friendly. Okay, so you're going Nelson Cruz number one. I, I, I think it's actually Zach Grinky, right? Zach Grinky's uh, the group. He's the one guy who's, I think, a legit Hall of Fame candidate. Um, top five Cy Young, Cy Young finisher for three of the five teams. Um, we're going by wins above replacement. He's got by far the most. I would go Grinky one, Cruz two, Encarnacion three. But what do I know? <laughs> anyway, fun question, fun topic, fun segment. Uh, Doug, I, I I could tell you we were excited last week to have baseball back, and here's how I could tell. Yeah, we had a bizarre injury of the week. <laughs> Bust out, Jose Quintana. The Cubs hurts his hand washing the dishes. And like th three seconds after that news broke, I got a text from you and it said, here we go, <laughs> exclamation point. Uh, so is that an accurate description of your communique and your excitement level? Yes, yes. I'm, I'm reviewing my, uh, my text messages now to make sure I add an extra exclamation point. Uh, you did. A, yes, yes, you yes, did. Yes. Yeah. Uh, look, we want to make clear we feel Jose Quintana's pain. Uh, this is actually a potentially really significant injury for the Cubs. Yeah. Uh, they don't have a lot of starting pitching depth. It's a 60-game season, so missing two weeks in a 60-game season is like missing a month and a half in a full season. Nevertheless, uh, since I am the curator of every weird injury in modern history, yes. <laughs> uh, you egg me on to do some kind of weird injury list, so... All right, here you go. This is my top three kitchen or cooking <laughs> injuries of, of the 21st century. Uh, uh, third prize, uh, 2009. Uh, Jose Quintana will relate to this one. Carlos Gonzalez was doing the dishes after dinner. Uh, if I got the story straight, Doug, he was washing the knives. And guess what happened? One of them squirted out of his hands. Of course, he did what any great athlete would do. He grabbed it out of the air. Oh, no. Bad idea. Wound up in the emergency room. Yikes. Uh, out of the lineup. Uh, and he said, next time, I'm going to use plastic. <laughs> Excellent advice. 
second prize, 2007. You remember Ian Snell used to pitch for the Pirates? Yeah, he, uh, did he change his name or something? He, had like, he did change his name. Yeah, yeah. Good pitcher, bad hitter. Uh, so he burned a finger on his pitching hand while barbecuing, and he had to miss a start. So Tom Gorzolani became the emergency <laughs> starting pitcher, took his place and won. And then Tom Gorzolani said, uh, Ian Snell owes me dinner for this. Take it. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> okay. All right. But the uh, first prize winner is like my favorite first ballot injury of the week, year, uh, millennium, <laughs> millennial Hall of Famer, Jeremy Affelt. Uh, Jeremy's a guy who actually used to complain if he didn't win my Injury of the Year award. And uh, I think his his best one in this category was 2014. I don't know about you, Doug. I recommend that all pitchers stick to freezing hitters instead of freezing <laughs> burgers. Uh, Jeremy did not get that memo. So he was uh, one night he was trying to separate frozen burger patties before he grilled them up. And he had another uh, knife mishap. He decided to use a knife to separate the burgers. Yeah, I've done that. Seemed like a good plan to you. <laughs> I've done it. I, that, I've done it. Carefully, it, though. Carefully. Yeah, it's not that good a plan because he stabbed himself in the hand and he was out for the year. Oh, my <laughs> okay, goodness. So, so he said after that, uh, instead of getting himself in hot water, he was actually going to use hot water <laughs> to separate the burgers. So he's my first prize winner once again. Uh, That'll make. Jeremy F. felt happy. You have one in this category? Uh, I don't know if I have any cooking ones, uh, although uh, I, I probably, if I think hard enough, I'm sure I, if I, if I was still playing, I probably would have had a couple here at home. But, uh, you know, well, I played with <laughs> Dave Hollins, and I remember him getting uh -huh. bit by a spider in spring training in Clearwater. And we had a whole uh, discussion about Spider-Man and the future of Dave Hollins being a superhero. That was uh, very interesting, and he he, he missed he, he missed a while. Like he was out. Like I mean, he went into the season. I know he was sitting on the bench for a while, kind of inactive. And uh, but yeah, that was that was no joke. It was it was called a brown recluse. I, I didn't know anything about a brown recluse. Wow. So those of you yeah. listeners out there, look up a brown recluse spider. It was not a black widow, uh, and they are no joke. So that was very strange, and I guess it could have happened to any of us. Including Spider Man. Yeah. At least he wasn't trying to wash the spider or cook the spider. <laughs> Look at it that yeah. way. <laughs> All right. Finally, Doug, uh, we have one more baseball news item I thought I should point out. Uh, baseball released the schedule Monday night. And let's reflect for a moment on what was not part of that schedule the All Star game. Yep. Canceled. The games in London. Canceled. The game in Williamsport at the Little League World Series. Canceled the game in Omaha at the College World Series. Canceled. But you know what game was not canceled? Hmm. It was the Field of <laughs> Dreams game in Iowa on August 13th. That is still on. And that took some doing because the White Sox were supposed to play the Yankees. Now there's a new schedule. Those teams aren't even playing. Yeah. So baseball actually went to the trouble of finding a new team, the Cardinals, to take their place. So it'll be White Sox versus Cardinals in the shadow of the cornfield. And that brings us again, Doug, to Field of Dreams because as we mentioned on this podcast many times, you're America's foremost Field of Dreams hater. So, 
<laughs> and yet, every time we look up, we're reminded of just how beloved that movie really is. So now that baseball has gone out of its way to make sure that the Field of Dreams game will take place against all odds, aren't you finally ready to surrender and admit <laughs> this is one of America's mov- most this is one of America's most beloved baseball films, and for good reason. Now, wait a minute. So are, are you officially commissioner? Because I think you might have had a hand in this happening. <laughs> I'm not. No, I'm not. Cannot confirm. Well, my, my dream would be this. Uh, I think they're just being efficient because they know they can just go into the cornfield and turn it into concessions by popping all the corn and selling them to uh, whoever may attend, which may be nobody, I don't know. So uh, as, long as, <laughs> as long as it's socially distant corn, you know, keep the corn stalk. Uh, I, you know, I support it. I support it. I, I, it is pretty powerful of the list of games that were canceled. Granted, some were in other countries and they did hold on to this. So I am hopeful that everything goes well and they'll keep this game on. And then we'll have a lot more to talk about uh, as we figure out people who are talking to themselves <laughs> in the corn and all these other things. But I will uh, I will support it 100 uh, percent and recognize the iconic nature of this this movie. I will. I will concede that you will support it based on efficiency. Yes. Like, have you noticed? There's no Bull Durham game. Yeah, how is that not? There's that? no yeah. right. There's no Ricky Vaughn game in Cleveland. Uh, there's no Robert Redford Merle Streep game honoring the natural. But there is a Field of Dreams game, and it's happening. Just saying. Yeah. Okay. Bull Durham. We got to have that. Although it's minor league, but that's all right. Yeah. Let's do the minor league version. There are no games in Durham this year, sadly. Yep. All right, that's going to do it for this week's Starkville. Uh, Let's remind you again that Starkville is now available in its entirety, absolutely free everywhere you get your podcasts. So be sure to subscribe and follow Starkville on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, TuneIn, pretty much everywhere you find your podcasts. And of course, don't forget... You can still find us at the Athletic app and the Athletic website. And if you'd like to read our sparkling work or the fabulous work of our many amazing writers, there's still no better sports writing being done anywhere right now than in the Athletic. If you've thought about subscribing, you can get 40% off a one-year subscription by going to theathletic.com slash Starkville. Also remember, you too can be part of this podcast, just like Matt called off today. Uh, We're now inviting the listener who submits the most fun trivia question of the week to join us right here in the podcast and achieve way more than the 15 seconds of fame that honor used to be worth. How do you do that? You just need to submit a great baseball trivia question. So here's what you do. Uh, You could email it to us. that would be at Starkville at theathletic.com, Starkville with an E on the end. Or you can do what most people do. Hit us up on Twitter. If you want to find Doug Glanville, here's how you do that. Yeah, very simple. At Doug Glanville, D-O-U-G-G-L-A-N-V-I-L-L-E. All right, we're, we're into the spelling, so you can also find me at J-A-Y-S-O-N-S-T, Jason with a Y-S-T. But don't forget to hashtag those questions. Hashtag StarkvilleQS. So, Doug, thanks for playing. Thanks to Aaron Dolan for visiting us and enlightening us. 
Thanks to Matt Kulthoff for the trivia question. Thanks to our new mayor, Tim McMaster, for producing us and putting up with us. And thanks to you all for listening. We'll see you next week on Starkville.